Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Diane Time is here. That's right, we're talking about uh, Tales from the... What the fuck is it called again? Dark Side. Tales from the Dark Side. <laughs> the movie. On Kill by Kill by Tales. Well, greetings and salutations, Internet. It's your old pal, Patrick Hamilton, coming to you once again from a very dilapidated mansion. This is the Kill by Kill podcast, where usually we talk about an entire movie's characters in the order in which they die. But in our off weeks, we have decided to talk about little segments of horror anthologies in the hopes that a hitman's untimely end is just the beginning of the jokes we might make at his expense. And as always, there's only one person I trust to make sure she kills enough cats to give me a miracle drug. The one, the only, Gina Radcliffe. How are you doing today, Gina? Uh, before we continue, I, I want to mm-hmm. make a very serious announcement. Of course. Uh, I would like our audience to know that uh, despite the the events of this, uh, this short feature, mm-hmm. we will not be making any childish jokes, <laughs> no okay. puns, mm-hmm. no plays on words. Mm. We are going to, to treat the fact that a character is killed when a cat forces itself down his throat <laughs> with the the quiet dignity that it deserves truly i mean the passing of a legend when you think about it in the hitman game uh i mean that's all anyone remembers from tales from the dark side i didn't even remember the title of the movie and i just watched it gina you know what i saw this in the theater Mm. And I, you were absolutely right. This is the only this is the only part I remember from this movie. I'm looking at this cast. Yeah. And I'm like, Steve Buscemi? Yeah. Julianne Moore? Mm-hmm. Debbie Harry? Mm-hmm. I was like, I have no recollection of any of that. Now, none of them were in this part. <laughs> no. Let, let, let's make that, let, let, me, let me clarify. But yeah, they are yeah. in the movie overall. They are in the segment before this one but yeah. i'm just agog at this cast list um i did watch lot 249 because when i saw that cast list i thought well maybe that's the way to go sure everyone remembers a cat deep throating a guy but perhaps that you know that's got so much star power to it and you know i'm if i must be horny on maine kind of a julianne moore person like i mean who is it she's so fucking good looking and she is not photographed particularly well i mean she's still gorgeous to a degree but there's so many shadows crossing her that you can barely tell the difference between her and any other big-haired person in that opening tale i mean and it's like a, a a mummy movie thing where like the mummy's going around and killing people. And I love those late market universal mummy movies, which is basically a serial killer thing where you just a monster roaming the town and just swiping at people and they just hit the desert ground and like, well, that guy's dead. I <laughs> love those. And I, that's what I'm hoping for. But it just hides the weenie so much. There's barely any gore and when you're talking about you know ripping somebody open and stuffing them with flowers i would like to see that please no you don't get that you don't get any of that yeah if memory serves i think they do tease the whole concept of how 
supposedly in preparing a body for being mummified, they would pull your brain out through your nose. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and I I believe that that is mentioned, but it's never, they, they again, it's a cock tease. They never actually show it happening. Right, no. It, and might as well have been on syndicated television for as sanitized a delivery as Lot 40, 249 is in this movie. It, it's really only remarkable because the cast is like, Christian Slater, Julianne Moore, Steve Buscemi, and Steve Buscemi, whose whose teeth are just as, the most caterwauled you've ever seen them. I, I I don't know how it's possible that his teeth somehow got straighter as he aged, but he is a dewy youth here, and it literally feels like his his incisors are outside of his cheeks. Yeah, this might have been. Uh... I'm trying to remember if this was before or after, um, uh, shit, the, the, the Coen brothers, uh, mafia movie. Um, oh, but it, it um, been, Miller's it, Crossing. Miller's Crossing. Yeah. Uh, uh, it would have been roughly around the same time, but I think this one is one of his first like major films because yes. he did mostly a lot of like independent film, but mm-hmm. it's just, you know, it's a funny movie to, you know, get your introduction to, but semi, in a, yeah. kill, a killer mummy movie. Right. Yeah. And Julianne Moore fares no better. Um, outside of the fact that you've never seen so much hair piled onto Julianne Moore. It yeah, Julianne Moore it, was, was, was funny. Like her early career, she kind of always played this sort of soap opera villainous type character. Yeah. Like yeah. there was this, and she was also in um, uh, The Hand That Rocks the Cradle. Sure, yeah, yeah. Uh, She's the best friend in that one. Yeah. Right. And she gets a you know a head full of glass falling on her. Um <laughs> yeah. but uh you know, and then she ends up getting shortcuts and then you know she becomes the Julianne Moore that we all know and love, the the, the serious actress, capital S, capital A, Julianne Moore. Yeah. And you know, she she was one Winnie the Pooh shot away from superstardom. Um <laughs> Carpet the curtains, is- baby. Shortcuts is is equal opportunity. We also get to see Huey Lewis's dick. And (laughs) for that, it it will forever, you know, be high in my mind. Uh, But yeah, it just doesn't serve her well. And and Christian Slater is just in low rent mode. Um, Well, he was just doing the the thing, the Christian Slater thing. Yeah, a, a sort of, you know, a sort of take on on his character in Heathers, which is, you know, what he did for a very long time. Yeah. And, you know, he, people go through errors and obviously he's had highs and lows and sort of, you know, waffled in between, you know, had a comeback with peak TV and whatnot. Um, but it, it really does feel like he's like, well, I'll, it's like he's doing a favor for a friend and... Uh, that's the way it kind of comes off. And as a result, I'm like, there's just like nothing to talk about because it's not fully incompetent, but it's also not banana town. And I feel like if you're not going to give me incompetence, I can make fun of at least give me banana town so that I can enjoy the conversation about it. And uh, unfortunately, lot 249 just does not hit the mark. Nor do I feel like Debbie Harry is really doing transformative work as a witch who just has a very clean kitchen. She like she wants she's trying to eat a Lawrence brother. 
Right, as we all do at some point in time. I mean, that we hair all... looks delicious. <laughs> it's true. Uh, it's not so shiny. Whoa, for my taste, personally. But um, whoa is really said several times as he halts the cooking process in order to tell her uh, stories from the Tales of the Dark Side manuscript or master, you know, the uh, <laughs> stories will eventually tell on the TV show book that he happens to have. It's basically a one scene reveal where she come after the longest credit sequence of all time. That is like, you will believe that Debbie Harry can walk across the street and eventually she gets home. And then there's a knob that's turning. You're like, well, that's odd. And then it's revealed there's a child chained to the wall. And that's as good as that ever gets. It never gets that good again. <laughs> Where you're like, oh, a child chained to the wall. Now I'm into this. Was this something that came to mind as I watched it? Uh, and that's it. It just ends after that. And she's kind of dead air. Everyone has a real dead air thing going. Yeah, I think the only one that really tries in to do something is uh is in the one we're actually supposed to be talking about. Right. Uh, is William Hickey? Uh, I would I would argue that David Johansson is coming in hot, hot, hot. That's just. <laughs> My opinion. Well, the thing Gina. is that they're they're both doing their thing, right? You yes. know, l l like William Hickey. Uh, I don't know to to the youths in the audience, you <laughs> probably know him best as uh, Uncle Lewis in um, uh, National, National Christmas Vacation. Yeah. They want you to do the blessing. <laughs> I think about that every Christmas. Uh, he also did the voice of the doctor in Nightmare for Christmas. And it's essentially mm -hmm. playing the same character. Yes. Like this crotchety old man in a wheelchair. Mm -hmm. Yes. I, I'm sure it, I, I would almost believe they saw him in this and said, we can make a better version of that. I think and you might be, I think did. you might be right. Yeah. It's essentially the same character. Yeah. It's just like all of his experiments have gotten away from him and he would like someone else to take care of it. Um, yeah. And, and, David jo and, and David Johansson, who, who, you know, had a, a kind of bizarre career resurgence in the late eighties where he became an actor was kind of, you know, it was, you know, a, a, you know, a likable presence, but also very one note in this kind of like, yeah. you know, screamy, very heavily Queens accented guy. <laughs> Yeah, he was and, in a he was in a movie called um, oh shit, uh, same person wrote Quick Change. Uh, it was about a racetrack. Can't remember what it was called. Richard Dreyfus was in it, but he was in that. Oh, Hot to Trot? Is, no, that's no, that's no, the, no, no, uh, no, no, Bobcat no. Goldthwait. No, Hot to Trot is the, the talking horse one. It's um, something about Lucky, but it's what it's the movie which Richard Dreyfus mysteriously becomes Lucky and. He yes. wins horse race after horse race after horse race. Right. And of course he was in Scrooge. He was the, uh, the, the ghost of Christmas past. Uh, in, uh, uh, where are you? the mo movie version of, uh, car 54. Where are you? Yes. But, but again, kind of playing the same character. He's always playing the same character, which is a guy from Queens who has a really large mouth. And it was, you know, you constantly out of his death. Yes. Right. Uh, the only time he's ever in control, I think, is Scrooge. And even then, it kind of feels like, well, this this 
the the manager campens around me and I just have crazy elf ears and I yell at people is is what it comes down to. I mean, he does he does have the for me the best sight gag in the whole movie, which is the uh, the 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 hack license that says that says Christmas past ghost of. Yeah, <laughs> I do love that. Yeah, um, I do love the mallet scenes in Scrooge. Also, I love when uh, Bill Murray shoots um, the ghost of Christmas future. I like all the gunplay in Scrooge, a movie known for great gunplay. <laughs> um, what are we talking about again? Oh, all right, Tales from the Dark Side. So, Tales from the Dark Side uh has its origins as basically everyone rushing to come up with a, their yeah. own version of HBO's Tales from the Crypt in a way but also it somewhat predates Tales from the Crypt's HBO It, it does. Yeah, it's um I I would say it was more competing with the revival of The Twilight Zone and uh, Alfred Hitchcock presents. Also, when are we going to hit The Twilight Zone? Because there are two that I still, two episodes that I still think about that that I would love to be able to talk about at some point. Are we talking the TV show or we're talking about the movie? No, the TV show. Okay. Um, That's a good question. I suppose we could do an off week uh, Twilight Zone. Because I would uh, love to to talk about the one that based on another Stephen King story, Grandma. Oh, yeah. And uh, the one where she stops the fucking nuclear missile. <laughs> when I tell you that I did not sleep for days after watching that. <laughs> you remember that one, right? I do. I didn't until you said it out loud. Well, and you're welcome. It flashed into my head. Yeah. So, yeah, I, that's a stay tuned. I think we could figure something out where we talk about uh, Twilight Zone. That certainly uh, qualifies. Talking about the movie, however, gets a little tricky. Well, yes. Um, because we really don't like to talk about a lot of movies that were responsible for real deaths. Well, no. So, you know, that's neither here nor there. Um, but... So, and, but this also, it comes in the aftermath of like amazing stories, like launching really huge. And then you have young Indiana Jones Chronicles kind of taking just, in Just basically slot. like anthology were like, yes. were like very successful for a while. Yeah. They just had a, they had a revival. And then this is a syndicated realm. So you also had Paramount dipping into that somewhat with the Friday the 13th, the series, which was had zero to do with the movie uh, output. And then they also greenlit this, which George A. Romero was a producing partner on. Um, now, when Tales from the Dark Side goes away, uh, the people who were also part of this, but not Romero, end up creating a different... Um, syndicated program called monsters which was basically the same thing as tales from the dark side but it's like people we know will do television we'll do it on the cheap it'll have one great special effect and we're out that's kind of tales from the dark side's thing but for whatever reason they they sold paramount on doing a movie version of it now this was made for pretty cheap 
and it made five times its budget. So you can't say that it was a bomb in any way, shape, or form. It did very, very well. But no one ever said, let's do another one. And it just had, it had like, it's one of those mysterious, you know, successful movies that had no cultural impact whatsoever. Yes. Yeah. It's a curio, you know, but it, it was a success, but it also wasn't such a runaway success that uh, people go, oh, well, if we just put out one of these every couple of years, uh, we'll have our own horror franchise, baby. It just... I don't think anyone views it as particularly successful uh, creatively. <laughs> and then, and, and then a year, and then a year later, uh, Tales from the Crypt came out, and it was kind of all over after that point. Yeah, it basically steals everyone's bacon. And then there, then everyone on cables like, well, how do we do something akin to this? Um, uh, and yet, like HBO had been doing something akin to it the entire time, which is The Hitcher. And we've talked about one of those episodes on our Patreon. Well, the, yeah, but The Hitchhiker, I think, was more home a little more closely to uh, erotic thriller than, than horror. Whereas yeah. whereas Tales of Crick was was straight up pretty much horror all the time. I would say it's like it's like um, Alfred Hitchcock with boobs. Yes. <laughs> It was always or, like a thriller. Or Alfred Hitchcock episodes on the cock. Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> Finally. Um, but stay tuned, everyone, because I think there's another Hitcher episode that we need to talk about, and uh, I've sent Gina the link for it. But uh, that's down the road. <laughs> stay tuned for that bad boy. So let's talk about the Cant from Hell, which, weirdly enough. Uh, we it was a uh, almost happening within Creep Show Two, because Creep Show Two had such a string of naysayers and production difficulties. They booted the Cat from Hell as they they felt it was just too much work. So that got booted down the road, and now we have it here in Tales from the, the Dark Side. And I the reason why it's a little bit above everything else they have to offer is a, the story comes from Stephen King. So there's a little bit of meat on the bone and two, the script is George A. Romero. Everything else is kind of, is like a, is Michael McDowell who uh, is credited as the original writer on Beetlejuice. Yeah. I, I think it was funny that uh, if you, if you were, if you watched uh, or heard rather uh, our episode on a cat's eye mm-hmm. this is basically like the same story but written from the mom's perspective right <laughs> where where yes the cat is actually evil <laughs> uh and we get an equal amount of cat vision um now if you had to mono a mono a cat vision would you go cat from hell or cat's eye well, for some reason, I mean, I guess to, you know, make it more apparent, you know, who's put a viewer just to be seeing uh, uh, the cat and the cat from hell is colorblind. Apparently. Right. <laughs> I, think, I don't know if that's true. I don't know if that's true either. It seems to also be purple on the edges or maybe that was just the copy I was watching. So I can't tell if that was an intentional thing or just what I got to watch on Paramount Plus. But uh, yeah, I, I think I think I watched it on Prime and I think, yeah, I think I got the same thing. So I think that was okay. intentional. All right. 
so this is basically a two-hander with a couple of flashbacks, uh, which are also in a like a sep- like a blue sepia tone. That's the other um, yeah. It also device. appeared to take place in like 1924. That now we mm, that's that's the thing, Gina. Um, it, 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 the flashbacks all feature people who are old exclusively with the idea that they're old when it happens, but they are dressed like it is the 1920s. Like the, the gauge, the Butler is wearing spats. Yeah. And the sister's got the, uh, the, the cigarette holder. Yeah. And her friend, friend in quotes, because obviously they're a lesbian couple, um, is in a flapper dress. Yeah, it's like it's like are they are they ghosts? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, are any of us alive? Is this a simulation? If this is a simulation, why do we podcast? Huh? Tell me that. Did I just blow your mind? I, I think I did. Blew it right through my hat. <laughs> so, uh in this two-hander, we have Halston, uh played by as I mentioned before, hot 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 actor of the moment. Buster Poindexter, a.k.a. David Johansson of the New York Dolls. Um, He's been summoned by professional old man William Hickey to do what he does best, and that is kill something. Halston is a professional hitman, and uh, William Hickey is playing a guy named Drogan who believes that a cat is responsible for several deaths in his home, and if Halston can put the cat outside for good he'll be a okay that's it for the buster poindexter references i'm calling it right here if you want to find out more check spotify uh and but he's like for whatever reason i want you to kill this cat and the cat immediately jumps into into Buster Poindexter's lamp, and and no one and he doesn't say just kill that fucking cat right now, just stamp its neck. It for whatever reason he's like, let me tell you a, a minute, uh, like a two minute long story with flashbacks, and uh, I just uh, if do you want the cat dead or not? Anyways, Drogan uh, lived in this mansion with his sister Amanda, her quote-unquote friend Carolyn and their butler Gage. Gage wears spats. Carolyn's in a fucking flamper <laughs> dress. We don't know why they're dressed like they're from a different time, but for whatever reason they are. So Drogan says uh, when the cat arrives, it's going to kill us all, and no one believes him because who would fucking believe him, Gina? Yeah, I, I this this cat is very small. Yeah, <laughs> very unassuming. Does not look physically imposing. Likes milk or cream or whatever the hell they're fucking serving it. But uh, it's not dissuaded by the butler throwing used beer cans at him and keeps coming back. And then Amanda says, "I'm keeping the cat no matter what." And it's not fifteen seconds later that she's walking down the stairs and the cat trips her and she ends up snapping her neck at the bottom of the stairs. Uh, yeah. And the, 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 the friend quote unquote decides that, well, you know, now we have to keep the cat, which is 
Which is odd. <laughs> yes. I mean, no I one look- witnesses the tripping component of that. They just assume that it happens. But then I think the second weirdest thing in this entire movie happens, which is Carolyn is in bed, also still wearing that flapper dress as if they have only given her one costume, which they may have done. And for whatever reason, the cat... <sighs> Gina, I hate to be indelicate. The cat face fucks her to death. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I... Um, it looks like they're going to... Like, he... he yeah, uh, Drogon does a whole oh, like again, like cats. I well, you know, legend has it that cats steal people's breath, and you see this little like fake cat paw like come out of her, like, against her mouth, and it's like okay, and then it, like kind of launches itself at her face. Yeah, originally it's it's a paw up against her lips, like hush, like shh, and then when she wakes up, the cat's like I'm wrapped around your face. It's like and, it's like it's laying eggs in her chest. Yes, it's like a face hugger from fucking Alien, and she just kind of flails around for a bit, and the cat just digs in to the point where she doesn't have any oxygen left. The thing is, if a cat latches itself to your head, it does in fact leave a mark. Like blood is shown here, but the, then he goes, "Well, the doctor said it was natural causes." Natural causes generally doesn't leave a bleeding scalp. You know what I mean? (laughs) But somehow, I mean, the sight of this cat wrapped around this person's face is fucking ridiculous. And I can't tell if she's laying down or sitting up because it presents the scene both ways. Right. Yeah. Um, And then after that, you're kind of like, well... Now, now you have my attention. Once you see a can't face fuck a person to death, you're like, okay, <laughs> tripping down the stairs. That can happen to anyone. This can't is that when, when it <laughs> face hugs a person and they're dead and done. So you, I'm now paying attention. I'm into this again. And then it's like, I asked my butler to capture the cat. They do. They put it in a very flimsy picnic basket. Uh, And he's like, take it to uh, like a shelter and have them kill it. I'm just like, you know, like, like, why are you even going to all this trouble? You know, if you, if you, if you think the cat has, has, you know, has done all these things, and it's how the butler put the basket in the driveway to back the car over it. Exactly. Like launch or, 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 or toss it or t- toss it off the toss it off a bridge or something. Yeah, like put some rocks, you know, tie bungee cord some rocks to that bad boy and send it to the bottom of the ocean. Um, but for whatever reason, he's like, take it to a vet on the other side of town in the middle of the night. And of course, that cat gets out of the picnic basket and swipes Gage across the face, and then the camera. Does a loop does a little Batman thing where uh, yes. like you know, every everything spins like you're in sun and dryer, and you just get sound effects of a car crash, and you're like, <laughs> wow, like this is straight out of like uh, a 1930s serial for children that is was made for fifty dollars in a prayer. Well, that's what makes that's what makes the ending so you know startling. It's and it is it does get pretty gory. 
Yeah, but up until that point, you're like, this is a little safe. Uh, the face fucking notwithstanding. I mean, the cat, um, does, the cat does shred his balls. Yes, yes, we're getting there. We're getting there, Gina. Please, we have to go in order. Otherwise, <laughs> everyone will be lost. This, <laughs> the story is so complex. <laughs> William Hickey reveals, as, as Drogon, that he developed a very powerful drug to help people get high after they've had heart attacks. Um, that's it sounds great, like, honestly. Yeah. It, I wish I had it, some. I would be on it 24-7. Um, and it's a very powerful drug, but it took killing 5,000 cats to make it possible. And Drogon is pounding those pills. Like, he is pilled out. Um, but he's like, hey... I'm going to give you 50 grand. There's another 50 grand waiting for you. Once you bring me that dead cat, uh, I'm going to go into town. I had the taxi waiting. Uh, see you when I see you. And so uh, then what you have left here is like seven straight minutes of what I believe is Stephen King dry running his eventual short story battleground, which a hitman must go to war against a legion of small plastic army men figures. But it's a cat. It's just one of those things where um, an idea got stuck in his head and he tried it out a couple of times. And Battleground's the better version of it. But Cat from Hell is the one that actually made it to the screen first. Well, you, you know, you basically got it, it becomes a one man show after that point because you've right, got yeah. David Johansson. You, he, he's addressing the cat, but essentially talking to himself. It's monologuing from this right, point. Right, you know, we talking about ah, I never, I never blow a hit, I never blow, and then like you know, every couple of minutes, then like you know, someone throws a puppet at him. Yeah, uh, just it skirts by and he shoots a clock. But <laughs> you basically he's like Drogon is going out like everything you could ever want is here, and then it's just Johansson <laughs> complaining about the quality of the boots. I mean, I mean, he has a point. He has a point that when he opens up the refrigerator, it's like a single egg in there. Yeah, I'll be honest with you. Everything you need does not mean I've got three eggs sitting loose in a fucking fridge. Like, how does this guy live? He's just pounding those pills to live, I guess. Yeah, there's like no sign of like a like a nurse or anybody looking after him, even though he's he's wheelchair bound. Yeah, he can barely make it up the fucking ramp into a living room. He has to have help with that. But he doesn't have anyone on staff. He's just like rolling around, occasionally cracking a raw egg into his <laughs> mouth. How's this guy alive? <laughs> um, and then to accompany Johansson monologuing 24 sevs is just random Casio musings. Just someone going, bubba-dee-bee-doo-bee-doo. On a Casio, and you're like, that's not a thing. This isn't. You're not enhancing this this scene. It's just someone going, "How about these five notes?" And <laughs> yeah, there's a. And again, I don't actually remember the. I don't remember the third segment at all. No. Like I, I when I was reading the the plot synopsis Wikipedia, some some of Lot Two Four Nine came back to me. 
Mm-hmm. But I'm reading for the I'm reading the th- the description of the third one. I'm like, did I leave the theater before this was <laughs> before this one? I don't remember this one in the slightest. Yeah. But uh, you know, for the first two at least, and and certainly for the the framing story, which is the part with Debbie Harry, there is a certain you know air of let's call it half assness to mm-hmm. to to a lot of, for a lot of the proceedings mm-hmm. you know with like the music and to a certain point the special effects he was saying that that you know the you know even though the flashbacks when you when you presumably took place over you know a period of at least a few days nobody ever changes their clothes and and it's just you know there's a sort of sort of that that'll do kind of yeah. kind of feeling to a lot of it and then like it's just not, it doesn't feel particularly well thought out. Like they're, they know where their money is, which is a cat climbing down a guy's throat. But getting there, you figure you would, would at least have a couple like suspense sequences or he, you know, he walks into a room and it's a kitchen and knives are used all over. It just, it never really pops off that way. And I think nothing typifies that. By the fact that he pulls open this briefcase of, you know, things he uses to kill people. And he grabs a, a hypodermic needle and puts heroin into it. And then goes, hey, this is real heroin. Um, I'm going to stick it in you, cat. And he doesn't. And you're like, why did you think heroin was the way to go to kill a cat? Yeah, I'm thinking what? like like I am obviously, you know, against animal cruelty. Yeah. But in the in the twenty minutes or so that I watched this this segment, I thought of at least ten different ways they could have killed this cat. Yes, and almost none of them are tried. I mean, the guy has guns and eventually gets to that place, but literally has to have a pieces level shot of the cat digging into his junk and not his heroin, mind you, <laughs> his, his junk downstairs. Before he's like, all right, time to get a fucking gun. And then he can't seem to aim the gun very well. Like, I'm not sure why Drogan just doesn't put out like, you know, you know, a bowl of cat food with, you know, with rat poison in it or something. Yes. Yeah. I don't, I, nothing comes back to bite him in the ass. Like, oh, I set up this trap. Oh no, the trap worked against me. All the things you would expect to have happen don't because it's just too lazy to even set those things up. It's just like him monologuing, playing pool, and the cat swings by room after room and, you know, takes a takes his ankle out, rips his balls, swipes his cheek. Okay, I guess, but I, I, it's all just like leading up to this moment where he's like, shooting at random things and finally the cat runs from across the room just but and up into his face and i'm assuming this is the reason why you hire a, a david johansson because he has the size the size of mouth you think maybe a cat can fit in there yeah you get him or you get steven tyler either 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 <laughs> of those two yeah, and this way your 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 scarf on a microphone stand budget goes way down because David Johansson just doesn't have time for that. If scarves are going to be anywhere, they're going to be on him, not on a microphone stand. <laughs> um, but yeah, that cat just jumps in his fucking mouth, 
And there's this whole sequence where he's down on the ground and it's forcing itself down his throat. And then a shot goes to his stomach. The bottom part of his stomach distends. It's sort of, like, it's sort of like that that old, uh, um, I think it was uh, it was either Pepto-Bismol or Alka-Seltzer, where it would, <laughs> sure. it would show the person eating something. They'd be like, indigestion. <laughs> and like their stomach would get all bloated. <laughs> yeah. It's that, but a cat, a, a, so a furry is, black cat. Is this cat actually like some sort of demon cat? Is that is, is is that the is that the like is it unkillable? I think it's a death curse. It's your he is the Jason Voorhees of cats. He's just a death curse because Drogon killed all those cats to make his drug, and he got rich off of it by killing sentient creatures. Um, this cat has been, in, you know, endorsed by whatever cat god is out there to take him out. And so he kills off David Johansson and lives in his tum-tum for the night. And then when Drogon comes back in the morning, just he like, finds, he's like, surprise, surprise, this dead body in the middle of the floor. And he just rolls right up to it because he's in a wheelchair. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> Tum Tum starts moving, and the cat, instead of uh, chest bursting, just reverses course. Now, why the cat lived all night inside of David Johansson's Tum Tum like a Luke Skywalker on the ice planet Hoth? I cannot tell you. <laughs> I was just thinking the same thing. Um, what, what what cracks me up though is that you know even even though all of this is in revenge to Drogon. Drogon mm-hmm. actually gets like the most like like humane death. He just yeah. he just he just dies of a heart attack. Like when he when, just gets when, a scarred. Yeah, when um, when when the cat. The, the cat bursts out, like he's like he's like, ah! and then like you know, he, he's you know that's it. He's done. Uh, I can handle a uh, a chipmunk coming out of a Christmas tree, but when a cat comes out of the throat, it's too much. I have to assume um, the kid. I have to assume the cat ate him. Yeah, you know, because the you know, yeah. cats you supposedly eat corpses. But sure. So it 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 uh, it it ate from the inside out. It just like it hollowed out <laughs> this this random hitman. And then when it hears a noise on the outside, it's like, "Hey, what you doing?" And the guy's like, "Oh, dead." And that's it. <laughs> That's the yeah, story. it's a little. I mean, like I said, the for certainly for the time period. Yeah, obviously now you can really see that that the uh, the makeup is not so good. Uh, yeah. But I mean, the, the the concept is pretty gruesome, yes. and and so that you know that that is definitely there's a reason why this is the only part anybody remembers from this movie because it's memorable. Yeah, that, that it's is, it's is what it's, it comes down it's, to. It's, Goofy, but it's also kind of grisly at the same time. Yeah, it's just a crazy enough concept to to be sticky, whereas everything else is stuff you've seen before, done not so great. And it's not to say that this is done better. It's just that the ideas are stickier. And so uh, that leaves us with choosing our own death venture, and that's where we decide of the deaths portrayed in this segment of Tales from the Dark Side. If you were to force force uh, yourself to die in one of those ways which one would you choose and why you have trip and fall down a very long staircase uh smothered by cat junk i guess uh, is what it comes down to uh car accident and immolation 
uh, Hammock can't jump down your motherfucking throat and live in your tum-tum for a little while. Or heart attack. Gina, I choose you to go first. Uh, you know what? I... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I would say heart attack, but at the same time, uh-huh. I mean, you know, having a cat, you know, climb down your throat is, mm-hmm. is, uh, uh, you know, that, that's a pretty, you know, no, no one's going to forget that. And, and also no. it, you know, it, it gives people an opportunity to make a, you know, in, in Soviet Russia, pussy, it's you joke. <laughs> and that is the, I said that I wasn't thing. going to do that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, people. <laughs> I had no control. I'm so weak. I'm so weak. <laughs> But you waited until we were all the way in at the end, though. So you you teased, and then you paid off. And I that's tried. what makes you a professional podcaster. Next time, next time I'll do better, I promise. <laughs> um, the way I'm going to go is be smothered by cat junk. I think that that would, would be warm and fuzzy. And Get a way the little, to go. Those, little, those little cat nuts in your face. Yeah, just I mean, some cat nuts It could be a girl cat. We don't know. We, we don't know, and it doesn't matter. Honestly, we respect its privacy uh, up until the point it gets right up in your face. And at that point, uh, my eyes are in that cat's armpits. I don't know which way that's going. So, and I just think I would look good in a flapper dress. That's what it comes down to. Uh, you could definitely um, pull off the, like the, the, like the old timey cigarette holder. Yes. Oh, uh, yes. I would look very fancy with a cigarette holder. I would be coughing all the time uh, smoking cigarettes, but, you know, I would look fancy. And that's the most important part. So that pretty much does it uh, for this particular edition of Kill by Kill Bite Size. Gina, where can people find you on these here internets? I write about television and movies at thespool.net. Uh, I have a substack, ginawatchesthings.substack.com. And I am on Blue Sky and Instagram and TikTok under Gina Does Things. Uh, we're on all your socials, people. Uh, just look out for us. We got our Patreon, which is super cool. We do, we do cool things like commentaries. We answer your questions on Chat by Chat and do special bonus episodes every mm. single month. Mm. And of course, uh, Josh Hall sells all of our artwork and Revenge Body uh, at revengebodymemphis at bandcamp.com is where you can find this remix and all our other themes. That just about does it. We are coming close to the end of Bite Size, everybody. One more episode to go. Which segment will we cover and why is up to my poor taste uh, and proposing to Gina and if it's available for us to watch. That's the only things that uh, keep us going here on Bite Size. Um, but we will be wrapping up next episode uh, and then moving on to another mini series. After this, of course, at Halloween, we've got lots of cool stuff coming your way. So I would hold on for that stuff too. Uh, but that just does it for us. Don't worry, folks. The Body Cat will continue for myself and for Gina. Bye bye, everybody. Bye.